Hello, and welcome to the Rookie Contract Podcast. My name is Dakota Zintak. And hello, I'm Kate Norum, and we will be speaking to people that are in their rookie contract in sports to get the freshest advice for those trying to get into the sports industry, as well as learn more about their story within sports. So now that you've accepted your rookie contract, what are you going to prove? Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Contract Podcast. Today's guest is Quinn Douglas. And Quinn Douglas is the sports director of KRUI Radio. And if you're familiar with Iowa Hawkeye football, you definitely know his voice. So if you want to hear more of that Quinn Douglas sound, keep on listening. Today we have Quinn Douglas. Um, He is a current Hawkeye, former Hawkeye. Current. Yep, I'm a senior. Okay. All right, sweet. So senior year, senior season. Um, if you wouldn't mind just giving a little introduction of what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of dive into how you got there. Yeah, so right now I am the uh, sports director at the campus radio station here, KRUI, which is the campus radio station here at the University of Iowa. Uh, also, I cover high school uh, sports. I am the play-by-play voice for uh, the Pekin Panthers. It's a little tiny school about 20 minutes northeast of Ottumwa. Work for them for the Ottumwa Radio Sports Network. Uh, covered football this year. Basketball season's right around the corner. So we're starting to get revved up for that. And uh, that's really uh, kind of my where I'm at job-wise right now. So I've been – this fall I was busy with high school football. Now that the Big Ten is back, I've been working a lot with Iowa football. Iowa basketball is right around the corner. So – it's definitely a, a busy time of year right now. Yeah, I'm so, sure. I mean, oh, sorry. Um, no, no. First thing ahead. is, I know that, you know, you and I had a class together. Um, a few classes together. Right oh. Yeah, true. Actually, I, I'm, we had, you had Stephen Bloom, right, for the. Oh, yeah, Olympics. I had Bloom. We had, what was the one? Uh, Jeff Brown. I'm pretty sure it was just called Olympics. sports writing. Yeah, we had sports writing. What was the one we had with uh, the, the older lady? What's her, I, I can't remember her name. Oh, the Stratcom class? Yeah, yeah. She always yeah. likes to pick on you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Love I know. This. I know. I, yeah, she, she, her and I go way back. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Good but yeah, friend. so, I mean, I know that, I know that uh, you know, Iowa coming back, the Big Ten coming back, that's probably a big, a big thing for you, not only because you enjoy covering the sports, but now you're able to add more to your reel um, for when you graduate and when you want to get into the, into the professional world. So I guess when there was no football and the Big Ten was kind of on a hold, how was that for you, you know, not having that total green check of, you know, this fall I'm going to be able to be calling Iowa Hawkeyes football? Well, it was really interesting because when the Big Ten made their decision, I was actually on my way back from Ottumwa signing my papers to do high school football uh, this year. So I was on my way back. I was actually on my way back to my hometown of Madrid and it was the day after, if you guys remember that big derecho that moved through, mm-hmm. it was the day after that, my house and, my, and the entire town of Madrid still didn't have power. So when I found out that the Big Ten was uh, canceling football, I was kind of like, well, who else just wants to kick me when I'm down? But yeah. uh, you know, thankfully, uh, when the Big Ten wasn't playing, I had high school football the, here in Iowa. It kicks off uh, the, usually the last weekend of August is when the first big set of games is. And Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much I had games all the way up until I believe it was the third third weekend in October. Uh, third, yeah, third weekend in October, and that next weekend was when Iowa kicked off again. 
uh, against uh, Purdue at Purdue. So we weren't, we haven't been able to travel for games, but we are able to do home games. So I actually mm-hmm. would keep myself pretty busy when uh, there wasn't any Big Ten football, which I'm very, very grateful for. That's got to be definitely exciting to get back into the mm-hmm. whole like process of, hey, I'm, I'm back into work. Yeah, fun. yeah, absolutely. After you know, you know this summer. after like a few months off, and you're like, this yeah. is different. It's gotta be, it's gotta be different coming back into it again. Yeah, this summer uh, I was supposed to be broadcasting for a college summer league baseball team that was mm. out of Des Moines. They actually played their their stadium was supposed to be ten minutes from where my home was, and uh, when the league fell through and they canceled the season because of COVID, I actually ended up. Uh, they struck this deal with the Iowa Cubs, which are the Chicago Cubs AAA affiliate, uh, to do this college all-star series uh, where it was just like a series of dates where it's, it's kind of like a barnstorming tour where it's just mm-hmm. like college athletes, all these college baseball players that have ties to the state of Iowa one way or another. So I got to be the public address announcer for that at uh, Principal Park where nice. the uh, Cubs play. So wasn't really doing play-by-play announcing, which I'm used to, but it was public address I was still, you know, getting my voice out there. So I, I was able to mm-hmm. keep busy, but it was nice to get back into the, the fold of calling play-by-play and doing stuff like that. It was really nice once high school started, really cool. get back into that. That's really cool. So, Quinn, how did you get into broadcasting and doing play-by-play? I'm just – I just want to know, like, how did it happen? Well, it was kind of, it was kind of an organic process. I, I, I'm a big, I was a big video game guy. I still am a big video game guy. Okay. Uh, so I would, whenever I'd be bored on, you know, if I'm playing back when NCAA football was still coming out every year, mm-hmm. whenever I'm playing Madden or NBA 2K, I would just broadcast the games for fun just because, you know, I liked, you know, whenever I watched football or basketball, I'd always hear, you know, there were constant voices I would hear, like Brent Musburger, Brad Nessler, Mike mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Buck, you know, those, those group of broadcasters that I see all the time. So I would mess around, try to emulate them. And it actually got to the point where I had a lot of people that were annoyed with me with doing it. But now <laughs> see what I'm doing now, they look back, go, man, you, you really did want to make this into a career. And it was also, you know, that for a while it was, uh, it was, it was more of a, I don't want to say a hobby, but it was more of just something, you know, yeah, this looks, this looks like it could be pretty fun. For mm-hmm. a long time, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach because I love the game of football. And I really wanted to play, really wanted to be a coach. I was influenced by, I had some great coaches in my life and I was very lucky to be influenced by. But uh, what helped me get out of that uh, was taking a teacher's academy course and realizing mm-hmm. a, how much busy work goes into teaching and two, how much teachers get absolutely just jobbed out of pay. So I was like, mm-hmm. no, that's not, it's not, I don't think teaching is worth it for me. So that was when I seriously decided, I think sports casting is really what I want to do because I mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, <clears throat> I know. I, I stood in the same s- steps as you did. I uh, was at Illinois State for a semester because I had the total aspirations of the same thing as you. I wanted to teach and I wanted to be a football coach. Um, and so that, but yeah, the first semester, I, I was lucky enough to kind of learn uh, firsthand about some of the struggles that teachers go through. And for me, you know, looking back on it now, graduating in May, I'm pretty thankful that I didn't go <clears throat> down that road because um, it's a, it's an industry that's definitely hurting, you know, s- similarly to sports and, and other industries, but um, it's an industry that is kind of, I don't want to say getting fleeced, but, you know, in a way I feel like they are kind of hurting in a different way than, than sports are. Um, 
but but something that I'm curious to hear about from you, uh, someone that does, you know, high school sports that aren't nationally televised at, at the rate of, you know, the Iowa Hawkeyes, what is it like for you kind of in the preparation stage of going from high school uh, play-by-play to, you know, Big Ten Iowa Hawkeyes? Uh, you know, some people consider that their NFL team if they're an Iowa native. So how do you kind of go through that preparation process uh, combining or in, you know, in contrast to the two? Well, it's a little bit easier for me because I'm the voice of a team. So I get to know the players that mm-hmm. the, the peak in football program that I cover. Uh, and it's nice to have a good relationship with their head coach. Um, he was always very good about getting information to me and uh, me, making sure I was in the loop with what's uh, going on. But I guess it's a little bit easier when you're doing big high school football because mm-hmm. you more exposure than everybody else. When you're doing small time high school football, like I'm doing, I mean, I'm doing games and I'm doing games in towns that are sometimes four or 500 people in the wow. town itself. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, not to pick on the, the <laughs> I mean, peak in high school, it's built out in the middle of a cornfield and I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Football field. There is a cornfield on the South end of the football field. Uh, that's that's what I'm I, sure that's, kind of what I, that, that's like where the best players come from right that, you know and, and you guys are surprised by it but I've been around that my entire life I played oh, yeah. in small school high school football I played in podunk towns and god knows god knows anywhere so it, it, it's very very normal for me to go to these towns that are mm-hmm. four or five hundred people call a high school football game and um, I, you know, not think twice about it. But in the preparation phase, it's a little, little bit harder when you're with the smaller schools because there's not as much information out there. I know a lot. Uh, I, I, you have to use huddle a lot to try and mm-hmm. figure what players, you know, who are the starters are. I use huddle a lot, and it's sometimes tough because the camera quality isn't always the best. I'm trying <laughs> to decipher numbers, and, the, and you know, the camera angle might be the best. You're trying to de- decipher numbers on. Who, you know, on the offensive line, who's who. You can go to quick stats and get a good idea of who plays what uh, in terms of skill position, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receivers. Um, you can get a good idea of that, but it's tough starting to identify offensive linemen, uh, especially defensively, defensive linemen, linebackers, DB. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit tougher that way, but it's, it's a good way to there, – there's different resources out there for you to use. You start to get creative in how you get uh, – how you prepare for those games. So that's kind of – that's kind of the difference between calling at least high school football and college mm-hmm. football. If you're calling college football like Iowa, you can throw in national storylines because the people listening probably have a good idea what's going on around college football in the Big Ten. You can throw in those national storylines. It's a little bit oh, – yeah. you try to localize it a lot more when you're calling, especially small school high school football. If you're calling like Des Moines Roosevelt or if you're calling Dowling Catholic or if you're calling Iowa City West, you can maybe make – you know, you can start making statewide – you know, start talking about statewide events when it comes to high school football. When you're talking about small town high school football, you really have to try to localize it with the towns in the area mm-hmm. to make it very much a local type of broadcast. You don't I, I don't want to say you want to be a homer, but you want to know the yeah. area. You want to know the area and who the and the uh, the audience that you're appealing to. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean just trying to make it trying to make it relevant. You know, I mean if you're if you're saying something that that people have like if you're uh, calling an Iowa game and you're talking about this small, I mean they might know it given their their geographic location, but it's sometimes tougher to get those uh, niche stories in a in a broader audience and then kind of vice versa. But it you know it's always interesting to me at least to hear, uh, especially with with some of the rural Iowa towns, 
kind of how the how the preparation um, differs. Just because, like you said, I mean, if there if there isn't a, a list of players and their numbers and their position, it's kind of on you to do the research to find mm-hmm. out who those players are. Uh, if there's any you know storylines about them, and if not, it's kind of like you have to make those. You have to kind of create those in the moment or uh, have some ready to go. If there's kind of like a a little breakdown in play or there's a little downtime. Um, you know, you just kind of have to keep your audience engaged. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to find a way to keep your audience engaged. And like, and it's a lot tougher in, mm-hmm. in Iowa, especially with an area. I, when I first started working for Peak in this past fall, I didn't know a whole lot. I didn't know a whole mm-hmm. lot about the area. All I knew is my mom taught there for one year in the, in the mid-80s, and that was it. You know, <laughs> my mom said it was built on it. The, the high school itself was built on what was supposed to be an airstrip for the Air Force around the World War II. Oh, wow. But they, they, did, they ended up not using it because the wind patterns weren't, uh, weren't uh, good enough to be able to safely land planes, so they built a high school. Interesting. Man, what a, wow. what a change of events. If you've ever driven, <laughs> if you've ever driven it's a long parking lot. It is really a long parking lot. <laughs> I'll have to do that the next time I'm uh, I'm in that part of <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> wow, um, you can really learn a lot about something once you just like learn about like the local. Oh yeah, stuff. absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah, the I mean, best part. To learn something, if you take the time and the and the and, and the attention to learn something, you can learn a lot of cool things about a lot of different areas and. That's kind of what that's kind of what I do about this. You know, I love high school football in the state of Iowa. I take it upon myself to know things that a lot of people might not know. I played for, I had my you know my high school in Madrid. We were a a football powerhouse for about twenty five years. We really we the playoffs twenty five times out of twenty six years, and most of those years it's a sixteen team playoff. We're a school that has maybe anywhere from one hundred forty to one hundred sixty kids, nine through twelve. I mean, it's. You know, wow. we're really, really fortunate. And when you when you're making those, you know, when you're making playoff runs like that year in and year out, especially with what I grew up with, you start to pick up on things when it comes to historical stuff and record stuff. You start to pick up on that, and that's kind of what happened to me. Wow! So you've kind of just been all over the place. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of a lot of consistency uh, in, in my life when it comes to sports and. The, the teams I've covered or teams I've played for or follow. Uh, yeah. That's good. Darn lucky. Um, would you – so you've kind of done, like, you've been involved with high school and now with uh, college athletics. Um, what has been, I guess, the biggest obstacle so far in your sports journey? Oh, the biggest obstacle would probably have to be – probably uh, when COVID hit because I, mm-hmm. I shot an email to uh, my boss at my now boss at uh, Tomo radio group in, in March, they had an opening for mm-hmm. a play-by-play job and it was the beacon play-by-play job. And I thought, man, I need to, the last two years I've been doing color commentary, not getting paid for it, driving two and a half hours. <laughs> both oh, I did it because uh, the, the, the coach, the team that I was covering was an assistant coach of mine in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. that was in, in the same conference as Madrid was and you know I was grateful for him giving you know helping me get the opportunity because I just needed experience I, mm-hmm. I needed experience and I you know I enjoyed it I, I loved doing it uh, but I needed to start making my own path and start doing you know start doing play-by-play and start excelling my career so I should you know I uh, through ST, STAA which is a great organization if you're a 
young sportscaster looking to get a head start in the business, I highly recommend joining the STAA. They've helped me out a lot. Uh, and it came across my, and it came across an email that they were looking for a play by play guy. So I shot my now boss an email in March and, you know, we talked, we had a phone interview and then afterwards, uh, not long afterwards, uh, they were put in holding because they didn't know what their financial situation looked like because of COVID. And mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything until I think it was early July is when I finally got back to them. Early July, late June, somewhere in that time frame. And for a while, I thought I was going to be doing a different school. Uh, so I didn't really know what school I was going to be covering until they finally <laughs> said I was going to be covering uh, Peak in, in the fall. So it was re- really stressful. I was really like, I'm not going to have anything to call this fall, but thank mm-hmm. God. Ended up working out, and they they're retaining me for basketball, and I'm really looking forward to nice keeping busy in the winter. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so I mean, knowing you, I I would safely assume that football is kind of the the sport that if you could pick out of a hat uh, what you would want to call for, that would be it. And so with that, I mean, going from football to basketball, it might not be a sport that you have. Um, you know, that, that is at the top of your totem pole. So I guess how do you go from doing a sport that you love to a sport that might not have that same kind of passion for you? I mean, I've always liked basketball. It's not that I haven't liked basketball. I, I've always mm-hmm. liked basketball. And it, it, it's, it's, at the start, it's a little bit of a difficult transition for a play-by-play mm-hmm. because football, you got a lot of time to talk things over between – between uh, plays because usually it, it about, it's about 20, 30 seconds of a break time in between plays for even in high school and in college football, it's a pretty good amount of time between plays that you can talk things over, talk about the previous play, work with your color commentator. Basketball, everything's happening instantly. It's bam, 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 bam. You're going to be right on top of it. And there are, t- there are times, especially calling Iowa with their style of play under Fran McCaffrey, yeah. calling a, a track meet sometimes. Yeah. They're getting up and down and up and down. It, it, it's literally like watching. It's like watching a track meet. You know, running, watching runners run completely different. You know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of sets of 100 meter dashes, and it's just that constantly. So you have to be on top. You really have to be on top of things in basketball because everything happens so much faster than it does in almost any other sport. So much faster than football. So much faster than baseball. You have to be on top of it. And I really, really try to stay on top of the action. You got to make sure you, you're able to describe where the shot's coming from. You know, you can estimate how far the shot's out. I know that's kind of that's kind of a, a thing that w- that's become popular over recent years. I know. Yep. Uh-oh. Oh no! <laughs> and I thought it was gonna be me. Uh, chair kind of smashed each other. That may not sound like. Yeah, it may it may not sound like uh, it's uh, it may not sound like it's making sense at the time. But when you go back and listen, like, oh man, that was pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, so as someone that started, uh, you know, prior, I would used to hear my voice in a voicemail and. Not be very happy with how it sounds. And, I think everybody goes through that phase. Yeah, and so you know, with someone that you know, their their job is to use their voice and is to have people listen to their voice. How do you get over that first little uh, "I don't like my voice" phase? Or were you lucky enough where you you know you did enjoy hearing your voice? Well, for especially in high school, I really struggled to really like listen to the sound of my own voice. It's like you know, it's one of those things like. <laughs> 
just sounds awful, but it's You're like, it's, turn it off. Yeah, no. I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm lucky. I have a very deep voice and Dakota mm-hmm. knows very well. I project my voice a lot. I mean, how I'm talking right now is I was gonna say you have a this great isn't too much higher than voice. my normal talking voice. It's very I, good I have a very broadcast. big voice. I was lucky my dad's got a very big voice, so it's it's genetic. Uh, you know, it's passed down through the family. Uh, it's, it's, he does public address stuff back in Madrid. He does high school uh, basketball for the boys and girls. He does baseball. So it runs in the family. A little bit. My dad's not a broadcaster. He was a teacher and a coach for uh, about a decade or so. Got out of it. And he's been doing. Uh, he's been doing different financial jobs. Working hmm. uh, a lot of stuff with with uh, working with finances for businesses and so on and oh. so forth. Um, Very cool. But no, it's. It, it's you, when you talk about the sound of your own voice. It, it, the more confident you start getting in your own ability as a play-by-podcaster, I think it's the better you're going to sound. Because I have, a, you know, I have a, a partner that I worked with uh, at Care UI. He, he he's he he said himself that he doesn't like the sound of his own voice. He's worked really hard to pitch his pitch his voice where he sounds a lot lower than what his normal talking voice is. And that's mm-hmm. actually for a lot of broadcasters. I know the one that that is uh, off the top of my head, Joe Buck. If you ever mm-hmm. heard Joe Buck talk in person, but do broadcasting, his talking voice is actually higher than his broadcasting voice. A lot of broadcasters have to work on pitching their voice. So they sound, they sound a little more, they have, their voice is a little more powerful and they can, they sound a little bit more, they're a little bit more out there in terms of their voice. I am lucky because I didn't necessarily <laughs> really that. I just, I'm lucky to have a very naturally deep voice but with that deep voice, you also had to work a lot harder on the technical side of broadcasting, working on working on using correct phrases, uh, correct correct verbiage, you know when to use a certain phrase and when to not use. I've been working on that. With that, I really had to work more on that than pitching my voice. Mm-hmm. I think it's once you start getting comfortable in what you're doing and start having confidence, it's a lot easier. It's a, it, your voice sounds a lot better to you when you sound confident. And you know what you're talking about. I'm glad you mentioned confidence because that is the biggest thing I feel like in sports alone, um, especially broadcasting, because if you're not confident in what you're saying, then mm-hmm. obviously no one else is going to listen to you, you know? Yeah. And the trick there, the trick there is, and I tell, I told this with a lot of the young guys that work at our uh, station that are likely going to be calling games this, this winter for basketball. Um, the trick is just make it, make it conversational. Uh, just you know, the headset—it's not like you're on TV and you have a camera in front of you, and you know, 30 million people are watching you through that camera. You're on the radio, and a lot of what you know, what I try to tell the young guys a lot, especially at KRUI, it's okay to make mistakes. We're you know, we're a campus radio station. It's okay to make mistakes. There's not you know, quite frankly, there's not a lot of people listening to us. It's okay to mess up and, and continue to work through that. That's what we're here for to help hone your craft, help you, you know, work with you. You know, it's working like, you know, like elbow grease and time. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to keep working at it. And the, the more and more you keep working at it, the, the more crisp, the more clear, the more confident you're going to be in your ability. Yeah, I mean, that just, I feel like that comes with no matter what it is that your that your skill is. I mean, for me, writing is kind of my uh, go-to skill set, I guess. And, you know, at first the writing definitely wasn't, uh, as crisp or as, as, as Mm -hmm. smooth, smooth sailing, but with time and with confidence. And I mean, even being told by people like, 
hey, that was a good job. Um, that instills confidence in me. And then I'm like, all right, well, I, I, I want to make more people. They might not even say it. And I don't really, I get awkward <laughs> when people uh, give me, you know, compliments. So like, even if they're just thinking it, if I can write something that I know that people are like thinking like, okay, that's pretty good. Um, and that instills confidence in me. And then I feel like I get better and better. Um, but so with, with doing play by play, I'll kind of stick with that. Um, or I guess broadcasting in, in general, for the people that want to get into the, into the craft and into the, I guess, industry, what were some things that you didn't know, you know, prior to doing it, but now know as kind of like a hidden, a hidden skill set or a hidden type of work that you have to do that you didn't necessarily know uh, before doing it, but um, came as kind of a challenge when you, when you got into it. Well, I think especially on the commercial side, doing high school football was, was a little bit tough of a transition for me as a, as a play-by-play guy was uh, getting ample working on terms of the commercial side because when you're working in commercial, especially when you start off in, you know, a lot of people are going to start off doing high school football. You have mm-hmm. commercial time. You have to use up that commercial time throughout the game. You have to get ample breaks. In high school football, it's tough because there's no TV timeouts. There you <laughs> Yeah. it's usually about one minute in between touchdowns and kickoffs and sometimes it's quicker and when they and if you take a one minute timeout in between a kickoff or in between a touchdown and a kickoff uh sometimes you might miss the kickoff sometimes you might miss the play you know it's just mm-hmm. gotta you gotta get those commercial breaks in there was a couple times that the game just moved in such a weird ebb and flow and moved in such a weird way that there was a couple times I had like 14 minutes of ad breaks left so I had to oh up like seven minutes and seven minutes in between in the post game, it's just I'm sitting there. I'm like, this shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in most games that are, if you if you're in a relatively close game, you're likely going to fill up that commercial time slot. But that that was really a challenge for me right off the bat. And uh, another challenge is that that I didn't think would be as hard as it was was getting to know your equipment. Mm. The, really intimidating when you start off like this year for the height. I'll go back to the commercial uh, radio aspect we used a i use a cell phone connection so pretty much i'm using a flip phone that i plug in to a a, a mixer box to help you know that that controls my voice and you plug in you also plug in you know it plugs in a headset and you're pretty much talking through i don't want to say you're talking through a cell phone but the cell phone connection is what goes back to the studio and what goes out over the air and we had mm-hmm. some issues where it was pretty much sounding like the throughout the first three quarters of the talking through the cell phone and i didn't know better because i never used that technology before mm-hmm. not everything was normal until my boss was like okay this doesn't sound right we're going to bring in your equipment and then we figured it out that was something with one of the, the, the one of the uh, the, the uh, wires that were that that wasn't quite right for plugging into the phone into the box so the equipment aspect can be a little bit challenging i know especially this year for KRUI, we have a new software we're using uh it's called zeta to go and for football, it's, a, it's really different because we never really used it, and we're still all trying to figure it out. And that's what we're using to broadcast for football games this year. So a lot of us, I'm kind of learning and teaching on the fly. When I know things, I'm trying to pass it on to the guys that are using it on the fly. I'm kind of learning as I'm going, too. So we're kind of, it's kind of that feeling that we're, we're all kind of in this together when it comes to yeah. software and all that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's something a- that I've heard. Uh, is the equipment being sometimes the tough thing, not necessarily even like the content itself, but sorry, what were you going to say, Kate? Oh no, I was 
just gonna go off of that. Yeah, I was gonna be like, it's good to know kind of like what everything you need to be doing um, and have kind of people in your corner that can help you because like no one knows everything that in mm-hmm. requires in, in the mm-hmm. equipment, especially like in a broadcast booth, like, like all that stuff is kind of like new to you, like when you've never been in the booth before. So it's learning to see how to do everything from the perspective of someone that did it before you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was lucky. I, uh, our old sports director, Miles, he was really good about helping because uh, I really started getting more into play-by-play broadcasting last year. I did a lot of games broadcasting by myself because he had uh, he had other uh, uh, play-by-play gigs in Eastern Iowa. So there's a lot of times I was broadcasting games by myself, but being able to broadcast throughout most of the sea, throughout uh, all the football season with him, I learned really fast how to you know, hook everything up, hook our mixer up, hooks our, hook up our, our headsets, what, what, uh, how to set it up through Mixler, you know, what wires go and what, uh, what uh, input jacks and so on and so forth, what different things on the mixer does. Uh, he was, we were, I was really good about listening to him and figuring out, uh, you know, how, what, what, where things should be when you're broadcasting, you know, what should your levels be at? What should your game be at? How high should the uh, how 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 loud should the the color commentator's voice sound in your own headset? How loud should you be going out over the air? You know, it's those kind of things you have to start picking up on that you, that really separates from just a normal standard broadcast to a good quality crisp broadcast that you got to pay attention to. I would never even thought about. I mean, I guess I'm not uh, too well versed on the on the side of broadcasting, mm-hmm. but. But it's really interesting to hear that, like, all of these little intricacies could make, you know, the difference between someone uh, listening to what is commonly known as, like, a high school game or commonly expected from a high school game and then in terms of what's commonly ex- uh, expected of, you know, a Big Ten production. Yeah, it, it's definitely – there's a lot of things – there's a lot of things that – and that's what's nice because we don't we don't have anybody, at least to carry out, we don't have anybody in the studio producing us. We're producing ourselves from the location, so we know if something's wrong, it's something we did. We can fix mm-hmm. it away. Like, we have yeah. a situation – now, use for example, Michigan State game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the play-by-play my, – the, my play-by-play guy, his computer uh, picked up the audio from the headset – while it was recording for Audacity, it didn't pick up on Zeta to go. We went through a whole quarter where we were broadcasting live on the radio with with a computer microphone because Zeta to go didn't, wow. didn't automatically switch over to the headset. And I didn't mm-hmm. think about it. He didn't think about it. Our color guy didn't think about it. It was nobody's fault. It was an accident. But it, you know, it's one of those things. It's never going to you know. It's rarely ever going to be perfect. But we're learning as we go. You learn and you pick up on these things and you remember them as you move forward. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, like once you're going to to bigger and better, you know, opportunities, it's kind of good to have all that all that knowledge because if they were to need someone to, you know, set up if they're, you know, the person that you might be working with, they might be running late and they're like, "Hey Quinn, are you, you know, we don't know if you're able to do this, but if you can, that'd be great." And I feel like that just kind of improves, I guess, uh for lack of a better term, your draft stock when when you're trying to get out uh to to calling you know for for your career so i think that kind of going through those hard times of working with a smaller organization or a smaller setup or a smaller group 
you're able to learn more things that are in long term able to kind of help you out in the in the long run. Yeah, versatility is a, a really really big key, especially in today's market. Mm-hmm. Being able to do multiple, being able to do multiple different things. I mean, I have experience doing production work. I worked at a small radio station for a summer uh, back close mm-hmm. to my. Uh, called Raccoon Valley Radio out of Perry, Iowa. Did a lot of board work there. Did a lot of voice tracking, a lot of production work, uh, while also occasionally doing sports work uh, during the summer. So I picked yeah. up, you know, working with uh, working with um, uh, uh, the, the the Microsoft equivalent of uh, or Adobe Audition. Working mm-hmm. on work board. Um, even there was a couple times I had to do severe weather coverage uh, and working a board, working the phone, being you know trying to hold things while things are happening on the air, trying to run things back and forth. And, you know, there's different people calling in with different reports of what's going on outside. You're trying to run microphones with somebody who's in the studio. You know, you, you learn learning those things early on. And I was very lucky to learn, you know, get a lot of that experience while still mm-hmm. being in college. I, that, that, I think that can go a really, really long ways. It never hurts if you want to start off in broadcasting, you know, sports broadcasting, go work at a radio station, and not don't necessarily be a, a sports guy for a summer, you know, learn, yeah. learn the equipment, learn, you know, learn the different things that you might have to do that goes with your work. Yeah. It's all about like getting that experience hands on and learning because that's like the biggest thing, especially on the job training. Like that's where you get like the most experience, you know, and it's all about kind of like dealing with all that and, you know, seeing everything that you need to work on because in a classroom, you don't get that same experience that you would normally while seeing it firsthand right in front of your face. Yeah. And I've had a, I had a lot of people that I've worked with in commercial radio team. And like, Hey, this is better than anything you're going to get in school. This is, you know, on, on, on job learning experience that you're getting. Uh, I was fortunate because when I joined Raccoon Valley radio, uh, for that one summer a couple years ago, I was supposed to be a timer. Well, what happened was we had three people leave the station in the spate of three months. So I was pretty much a part-timer working full-time. I was working five days a week from two to six. And, in, 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 you know, I was doing remote broadcast from county fairs. I did a couple of high school baseball games. Uh, I, was doing, I was doing all of this work. I mean, there were a couple of times I was working 10, 12-hour days when I had to do remote broadcasts and then come back and do a baseball game in the studio that night. Hmm. That's, wow. uh, they, they're keeping you busy. And that's why, that's why uh, yeah. you're going to be able to, to walk out of this with, with some good experience and some good talking points for, you know, when you're trying to get that big time gig. Um, and so there's something that I was, I was going to bring up earlier, but, but it kind of trickled down to now. So I know that you do have your own podcast. I know that that's uh, probably another way that you're able to, you know, make yourself more versatile um, in a market that's, you know, exponentially growing, especially with kind of everything being, or not everything, but, but, a, but a large majority of things being remote or a lot of things being kind of done in a different way. Uh, and it's in its new normal as, as we continue to call it. Um, so how have you kind of, A, how did you <clears throat> join the podcast network? And B, how have you seen that kind of help you with your broadcasting skills? Well, to tell you the truth, I really got involved in the podcasting with everything that had gone on this summer, mm-hmm. COVID, with uh, the, the issues with the Iowa football program, as you well know, that's, that's been mm-hmm. done publicly. 
I had a lot of things to say about what was going on. So, and these were just, these things were just bottled up and I had no real outlet to get it out because I can't really write anything that truly describes how I feel. There are some, there are some things out there. You just got to talk about it and mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. truly are able to satisfy your need to get, get, get your voice out there. And that's kind of really how it started as, you know, I want my voice out there about these things that are going on in this world. And, uh, you know, in, at least in my world, I, I really feel like I need to talk about these things. I need to hear myself talk about these things. And it just kept going and going. It kept kind of growing and growing. I'm like, you know what? I can do this for a little bit. And then fast forward to when the school year starts, being a director, you have to have a show here at KRUI. So I'm like, why not just have my own sports talk show host? I mean, kind of like Colin Coward. It'd be like Dan Patrick. You know, why, why not yeah. do that? I feel like I have, you know, if I do it once a week, I have plenty of materials to talk about. And it's worked out really well. Show went really good yesterday. Talked a lot about Iowa. Uh, talked about Notre Dame Clemson from this past weekend. Talked about Iowa basketball. And then I previewed, uh, gave my picks for the semifinals for the Iowa high school football playoffs. So it's, it's really, you know, it's really, it's really just kind of grown on its own. It's really something I just kind of started as, you know, I just need to get my voice out there and talk more, you know, be able to hear myself talk about things that are, that are current issues more, but it, it's kind of grown and I, you know, it's kind of fun doing it once a week. And I don't know, I don't know if I necessarily want to make this, you know, you know, like an everyday five-day talk show like the Herd with Colin Coward or like the Dan Patrick show. But it's something, you know, I, I don't mind dipping my feet into. I have a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, I, I sometimes can get really animated. You, Dakota, you know, I can be really <laughs> yeah. person sometimes. I can be really out there. Um, it, it's fun to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to be able to <clears throat> kind of like what we were talking about earlier when it when trying to gain confidence in not only your ability to speak, but I mean, there's some back end things that you need to do on podcasts that I for sure didn't know about until until starting one. And so I mean, it kind of just gets your gets your feet wet in a bunch of different things. You know, for me, audio editing, um, you know, getting getting social media work, that was something that uh, I mean, I guess I should have known, uh, you know, in the back end, but but definitely learned it while doing it. And um, I think it's a, it's a good way to learn because you're able to kind of with, with what you're doing, do it at your own pace. You know, you don't have to have it five days a week. You're able to kind of produce it once a week and you're able to do so under, you know, the, it's under the KRU, KRUI. So you're able to kind of build an, build an audience that's a little bit more uh, centralized with people that already know, know of your work and know kind of who you are, how you sound, how you broadcast. And so I think that it's a good way to kind of build that brand that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's really nice about being higher up and doing college radio stuff, especially at a big 10 university in, in a market like Eastern Iowa, where, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition out there. Mm-hmm. In terms of sports talk. I mean, there's much more sports talk radio here in Eastern Iowa than I've noticed in central Iowa, uh, Western Iowa, not so much. Cause that's more of the Omaha market. There's a lot mm-hmm. of there but there's definitely a lot of competition in terms of you know sports talk radio out here you know i'm not necessarily out there to compete with everybody i'm out there just to get my you know if i can just get my name out there i'm i'm satisfied enough you know i'm not looking to i'm not looking to rival any of the any of the 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 talk shows out here i mean all all the talk show hosts out here in eastern iowa are great do a fantastic job and i'm not out here trying to compete with them i'm out here just trying to get my name out here and trying to let people know who i am and that, that that's really a, a big part of what I'm doing. With, you know, that's a really big part of why I, I wanted to do my show the way I'm doing it. I want to get my name out there. That's why I'm doing it by myself. Yeah. That's the best yeah. way to do it. 
exactly you get to call the shots and you get to you get to have it your way um exactly so um then there was something that i was just about to ask (laughs) and it left my mind Uh, there was just one thing i was curious about um quinn what has been the most memorable thing that you've been a part of um throughout your sports journey so far like what is something that has just stuck out in your mind if, like you will never forget or you haven't been able to forget well are, are we oh man luckily he hasn't answered the question yet oh my god i'm dead talking about broadcasting was playing because i feel like i could give you um broadcasting honestly i didn't hear the question my 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 my, my cut out i didn't hear you oh no you're good i honestly like anything like that has been a big Hmm. i guess unforgettable moment in your life that has been a big part in the sports industry could be production broadcasting honestly anything in between that has really stuck out in your mind yeah, in terms of broadcasting, one of my favorite, probably my favorite memory mm-hmm. uh, is probably the one that sticks out to me right away was uh, my sophomore year when Iowa played mm-hmm. number five in basketball and they beat Michigan in basketball. Uh, that was a- I believe it was February of 2019. So that was a really, really cool moment. Uh, another one, another one that really sticks out to me was uh, uh, this past year: Iowa, Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Keith Duncan kicking the game-winning field goal to beat Nebraska. Mm-hmm. First time I ever called a game-winning field goal. Uh, I, and I tell people I didn't even see the ball go through the upright. I just watched Keith Duncan run across the field, blow a oh kiss, <laughs> blow a kiss at the Nebraska bench, and I knew it was good. So yeah. that was really cool. Um, and then probably the most recent, uh, probably the most recent one that really sticks out to me was the Holiday Bowl this year because it was such not necessarily the broadcasting aspect of it. It was such a big game for the Iowa football program because Hayden Fry had passed away a week and a half prior. Mm-hmm. Bob Elliott had died about three weeks before. Those are two guys that are big or are almost solely responsible for bringing Iowa football back mm-hmm. to relevancy in the '80s, and obviously Kirk Ferentz is an extension of that. And that was a really, really cool game, really, really meaningful game to call. And it just so happened to be an Iowa blowout against a historical power like a team like USC. That made it even more sweeter. So that was, you know, that was a really memorable memorable game. And San Diego was awesome. I I love San Diego. So it it was a really memorable trip all around. Uh, You know, those are really three that stick out in my mind that, that I can think of right off the bat. Yeah, I know. As as just a spectator, that was a, a fun game to watch for <laughs> for uh, the Holiday Bowl. And then, like you said, with the with Keith Duncan, he's quite the personality. I feel like kickers always have a have a uh, oh yeah a personality. Kicker, that kickers are kickers are different. They're just a diff, they're just different dudes. They they built they, different. The beat they are. And the fun thing was, it was so freezing cold. We were up in the photo deck at Memorial Stadium. Oh. The windows were open. Wind was blowing out of the south about twenty miles an hour. My partner's doing jumping jacks next to me just so we can get feeling in his extremity. It's so freaking. Oh, my gosh. Tell you what, after Keith Duncan made that field goal, we weren't cold anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah it was awesome. I wasn't cold anymore, at least. I don't know about, I don't know about my 
house, but I wasn't cold anymore at least. Um, so Kate, do you have, do you have anything else for, for Quinn? If so, go ahead and ask. I don't think so. All right. Um, so Quinn, I have one last question for you and I'm pretty interested to hear how you take it. Um, so, you know, whether take this kind of how you will in terms of how you want to respond to it, but a hundred years down the road, what's the legacy that you would like to leave behind? You know, that can be in broadcasting or that can be, you know, just as a person. Ooh, that's a loaded question. I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I didn't, I didn't think about that today when I, when I thought about questions I'm thinking to ask the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a hundred years down the road, I just want to be, I would like to be known, number one, as just a good guy. I think that's what mm-hmm. anybody wants to be known as in life, as a good, a good person. I want to be known as somebody that was, that was genuinely a good person, was genuinely cared for others. That's number one, what I be, want to be remembered as, as a person. Number two, I just want to be remembered as a great storyteller. Because really mm-hmm. that's what broadcasting is. You're telling a story that's happening in front of you. I want to be remembered as a great storyteller. You know, when you think about great storytellers that are broad, you know, that were broadcasters, you think of Al Michaels, you think of yep. Brent Musburger, you think of Keith Jackson, you think of Frank Gifford, you think of a lot of mm-hmm. broadcasters that we have seen come across our radar in the past century or so. So that, you know, in terms of broadcasting, I'd love to be remembered just as a good storyteller. I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't really want to have a label like he was a great football story. I just want to be remembered as a great storyteller in terms of broadcasting. Well, you know, I think since knowing you, since being uh, even just classmates, I can tell that that legacy is one that uh, was fit just for you. I'm excited to see where you go. I'm excited to see the the stories that you tell because from what I've heard, I don't think that legacy is going to be hard to reach for you. I think it's something very, very graspable. Uh, I'm sure that's a word. If not, (laughs) it is now. Um, (laughs) Easily attainable. Not easily attainable, but um, one that I could see you definitely filling in and um, I know that personally, I'm super happy to have you on. I was happy to kind of hear from you. It's been a minute. So, <laughs> it has uh, been a while. It has been a while. So it was good to hear kind of where you're going, where you're headed, and where you are now. So I appreciate you hopping on. It was, it was really fun to kind of hear, hear some more of the things that I might not have known prior. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This was a, this was a blast. I had a lot of fun doing this, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make yeah. sure to, um, to plug your podcast, everything you're doing. And everyone, if you, if you don't know Quinn Douglas and, and you're interested in sports casting, broadcasting, storytelling, any of the above, I cannot recommend him enough. And um, I know that he'll, he'll accept your, your willing, your questions uh, with open arms. So if you have them, I'll make sure that his, his contact uh, info, info is on there. And again, thank you so much, Quinn. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dakota. Kate, you guys are awesome. And that was KRUI's very own Quinn Douglas. We're trying to build a bigger community on social media. And so if you want to be a part of that community and help us build, make sure to see what links we have in the link tree below and follow the accounts that you want, preferably all of them. We'll also have Quinn's links. That way you can keep up with him and his journey. We thank you for listening to this podcast as always. And if you like this episode and want to show us your support, make sure to follow us on Spotify. If you're an Apple podcast listener, we would really appreciate if you were subscribed and left a five-star review. It really helps us grow and we can't express how much we would appreciate it. With that, we hope to see you next Monday for the next episode of The Rookie Contract. 